0: Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If
1: you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen.
0: I would like to welcome Phil Mazziello. Of 800Razors.com, an amazing entrepreneur, and we had some technical difficulties at the beginning, so it's not gonna start at the very beginning of the interview, but it was a great interview, and most of it was, was recorded fine. So here we go.
1: What I realized after doing the research was, it's not about that, it's about quality, because, you know, there's one company out there, Gillette, right, that has about 80% of the market, and they have 80% of the market because They provide a great shape. There's no question about it. The people are used to it. They've set the standard of identity, and then Schick is a close second, right? Schick is is another, you know, 16% of the market. Mm -hmm. So right there between the two of them, you've got 96% of the market. And that's worldwide. That's not just the United States. That's worldwide. So the two of them, you know, and they provide a great shape. So you have to be able to replicate that in order to really make headway. There's a lot of there's a couple of smaller players out there that use imported products like we originally thought, but you know you're not going to retain your customers that way. So in looking at it, uh, I actually found a razor company in the United States that had been in business for since 1875 for over 100 years, and they were uh, still manufacturing razors, although they were doing other things, other types of razors in addition to shaving razors. They were doing, you know, surgical razors and things mm-hmm. like that. But they were doing private label razors for, you know, some big retailers. And What was the name of that company? It was called American Safety Razor. They had gotten purchased by one of the big companies. So they, they were making, you know, great product. They just weren't good marketers. So we signed a deal with them to uh, produce a razor for us, and then we launched a business about a year and a half ago. And uh, now we're trying to get as many customers as we can. You know, we've added to the product line, we've got a shave cream and an aftershave moisturizer and accessories and things like that that, you know, are based on our knowledge of skin care, you know, we've taken the, the shaving cream and the aftershave moisturizer to a different level. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just a topical foamy shave cream that doesn't do anything. These, these products actually soak into your skin, give you a closer shave, repair your skin, because most people don't understand how shaving is, that you're really, you know, you're exfoliating your skin. Just like a woman uses a scrub and exfoliates her skin, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to feed your skin afterwards or else you're just damaging it. So we've uh, we've come up with products that, that'll do that.
0: good okay, so it's an excellent add-on to the shaver. So you're not the first in on this, this concept. There's other companies doing it before you? Oh, there's a
1: couple of, there, there, there's, Two, two companies out there that are doing it today, you know, they're both using an imported product. The problem is that, you know, you're not getting this great quality shave. so you don't retain your customers, you know. Right. There's retention problems, so, right, because if you can't deliver a shade that's equal to what a customer gets, you could sell a shade, you could sell a razor for a dollar, there's no question about it. You could sell the razor for a dollar, the customer's going to buy it. They're going to buy it once.
0: Once. If it doesn't
1: give you a shave equal to, you know, what you're used to, you're going to go right back to spending $36 for a cartridges. Because nobody can afford to have their face or their legs cut up. And the other thing is there's two, the two other guys that are out there don't sell products for women. We sell products for women as well. You know, women shave just as much as men do, if not more. So, you know, they've kind of missed it a little bit.
0: The problem with women, if they shave their face, though, it... Stimulates growth there, or, you know, It's a... no, that's kind of a
1: that's that's not a real that's not based in fact. Um, oh, okay. A lot
0: of women do shave their
1: face because, like I said, it's it's sort of an exfoliation, right? A lot of women use use uh, you know scrubs
0: scrubs yeah
1: to exfoliate. But there's a there's a whole trend out there with women shaving shaving their face. I'm not a big fan of it. I, you know, I don't I think it's going to be too damaging for women's skin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you know, it it certainly isn't. You know, the more you shave, the more your hair grows. I think people believe that because when young people start to shave, they start to shave and then their hair grows. But you know, that's when there's that's just sort of natural, right? Even if they didn't shave, it would still start to coming more thicker and.
0: You know. Right, it's a natural progression. It wasn't because of the shaving, but I just think of you know my son, uh, his wife got uh, him to do the take all the skin off his chest. You know where they they put the glue on and then they tear it off, and it glue and it grew back about three times as <laughs> as long before yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> it turned out that in that part of his body, but it rather funny <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure you're thinking of other ideas all the time when you're looking you know what this is doing uh what direction would the listeners? do you think could take right now to try to take a different product and, and, and do what you did with, uh, with your company? Well, e-commerce, again, you know,
1: the, the beauty of e-commerce is that you can almost run the company virtually. So mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, people who don't want to, people, people who want to spend the half the year in the north and half the year in the south. You know, an e-commerce business is a great way to do it. I mean there's a million million things you can you can look at. And and the first place I always start is what are the things that people use the most, right? And what is it that people have to use? Um, you know, like shaving, right? Everybody shaves, everybody has to shave. You're not going there's no technology that's going to come out that's going to eliminate shaving for the rest of your life, but you know there's always, you know, skincare products. There's paper products. I mean, you'd be amazed. I have a friend who has a company selling cleaning supplies, natural cleaning supplies that are hard to find. A lot of people go, for example, they have their kitchens redone or their bathrooms redone and they put in these great granite, um, you know, countertops mm-hmm. or, you know, and you can't clean that stuff with.
0: It's hard. Um, soft scrub. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So you have to buy, you know, specific cleaners. But they're, they're not always readily available in a Target or in a Walmart or whatever. So he set up all whole website. He's doing tremendous with it. I have another friend who's you know who 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 uh, started a concept just off those box you know these sample concepts right like uh, Birchbox right, which is a sampling concept for women. You pay a you pay a, a fee every month. You're on a subscription. You pay like nine ninety five a month, and every month you get a box. With, with multiple pack, uh, multiple uh, samples in it of skincare or of women's beauty products. So um, you know there's there's a, a ton of things out there that you can look at, but what you have to do is kind of look around and say, you know what are the things that people you know use all the time that uh, they want the convenience? because you know e-commerce is really all about the convenience of shopping, right? Not necessarily about price as much as convenience true. so
0: yeah, if it's you know, within the range, the people will pay a little more. yeah, well, you know,
1: if you offer free shipping, I mean, you know look you look at you look at people, I don't think personally i have not I have not done my Christmas shopping or my holiday shopping uh, in a store in fifteen years. Wow, I just have it all delivered mm-hmm. and I, I don't think I've bought. The only thing that I can say, I even bought my last car on the internet. I, all I did was walk in to pick up the
0: car. Right, and yeah. And walked out the door. That's so I mean, how I do it, yeah. Yeah,
1: you just look at, you know, all the things that people want. You know, you look at recipe sites or, you know, people are looking for information. You look at things like the Motley Pool or, you know, blogs that provide information to people. You know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a product, right? The information can be a product. Mm-hmm. A blogger talking about, you know, I don't know, you know, there's a million, million things. How to eat right, how to, uh, you know, how to, how to stay healthy, and you know, that type of stuff. There's a million, million different ideas out there.
0: I like this sample idea, though. but So, I mean, what you have to do is think of a, a group of products uh, to copy this uh, sample idea and say, okay, I'm going to uh, send out samples of all the latest glues that come out each month and all the different manufacturers and you paid nineteen ninety five or twenty nine ninety five or whatever a month and it would go to all the hardware stores or something so they could try out all the different glues that are out there and, and buy the ones that are good and get rid of the others and then I, I would imagine you could have some affiliate program on there so that when they decide, wow, I really like this gorilla group glue that you would have your affiliate razor thing was going to work how did uh, or, or did you you were convinced it was going to work, and you just put the money up or how how did you
1: <laughs> you know there's a certain amount of risk inherent right I mean, mm-hmm. you
0: can test certain
1: things you know you can test to a certain extent before you throw a bunch of money into it, but at some point you know you you have to trust your research right with shaving it is a little bit easier because. You know, like I said, we know how big the market is. We know that everybody shaves. We know that everybody, every man and woman, wants a great shave. They're just tired of overpaying. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what demographic you are. You talk about shaving, and every guy—you could talk to a guy who's a billionaire—is going to sit there and say, you know, it aggravates me because everybody knows they're getting ripped off. Everybody knows it, right? So that one wasn't as risky. But, you know, with the skincare, that was risky because, mm-hmm. you know, you could sit there and do the research and you sit there and say, well, you know, we know that everybody wants to live a more natural lifestyle and skincare is one of those things and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to it, you know, <coughs> when you go on air, you've got to have inventory. And so we had to put a significant investment out just to, you know, just to start the business, uh, just in inventory. And that's, you know, that's a bit scary. So, you know, if you can do it with products that don't require heavy investment, then obviously you're mitigating the risk.
0: Well, the sample products is great because you don't have to, you're not putting any money in the products. You're you're getting the manufacturer to send you, if you're doing new hair products, so every month you review 10 new hair products and send out the samples, Uh, the manufacturer supplies it. Uh, the people decide they like product too, and you 're tied in the affiliate. you start making money. It sounds yep. like a great way to go, so even doing though let 's say sample products, what kind of money do you think you need to start even something like that? I know it depends on it, but in here the, they 're supplying the product, so really you just have the website and the idea and,
1: and that type of thing you 're really talking about you know starting up a website you 're talking about um, You know, the samples are are basically coming to you from the manufacturer for free. You you can start it off small, um, you know, and you really don't even need to get printed packaging. You can get a box and, you know, you can have labels printed and and Mm -hmm. put them on the... uh, So, I mean, you know, in that particular case, you know, your investment is significantly lower. It's probably in the $30,000 range,
0: you know. So you figure thirty thousand, but now if they want to start something like razors, let's not say razors, but something like that, where you have a product. I mean, let's say uh, you specialize in uh, something that you may s- sell to uh, therapists that recommend products to their customers. So you have the knee products, well. the chin, the, the elbow products. The...
1: You know, it, it all depends on your source <coughs> supply, right? It all depends on your supply chain, and if you're doing it. You know, if if you're doing it as a, if it's a product that's just, just always remember this: if if you're if you're if you're reselling a branded product Mm -hmm. that's readily available in the marketplace from other places, then all you're competing on is price, right? Unless you're Zappos and you can, you know, invest millions of dollars (laughs) and develop a reputation for service, right? No, but the reality is that when you're selling a branded product. That's readily available elsewhere, right? And you're offering the convenience, but you also have to be you also have to compete on price. When you're offering a private label product, something that's your own, you take away the price part. You have to be priced correctly, but you don't have to be, you don't have to be matching prices every single day. So you have to be priced correctly, but you've got a little bit more flexibility. But the downside to that is, the product's not readily available, so you're making a bigger investment in inventory. So when the product's readily available, you can keep your cash flow because you don't have to you don't have to invest so much in inventory.
0: So maybe start yeah maybe start off with a branded product then to see if it will sell online, and then switch to your private label stuff once you see it's going sure. and have a smaller investment. Sure, you could do that. So you could say you have diapers for babies and use whatever, I don't know what the names are, but use big-name diapers that are out there now, and as soon as you start getting that flow, because I think I heard someone that was doing diapers, actually, then switch to your own branded uh, products. Uh, you know, as slowly say, you know, you know, you've been getting this diaper, but I got this new diaper that's 10% cheaper, but twice as good, or whatever are the reasons, and just slowly switch them all over. <laughs> of course, I don't know what the branded product guy is thinking at that point yeah i mean
1: diapers dot com started out it was there was two guys and they had their um they they um they had babies you know their wives had 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 babies mm-hmm. and they were um they were they were staying home dads and you know they were just amazed at the prices of diapers
0: and they are and
1: you know courageous you know and and the fact that you're lugging around these Big huge packages of diapers, and they mm-hmm. started diapers dot com out of the garage, fulfilling orders that way. And then they obviously got into all baby products. You know, they got into strollers, and they mm-hmm. got into. Uh, it's a very interesting story. Where they started out selling diapers, um, and you know, with their their um, their uh, average sale was I think you know in the mid twenties, and within two years. Their average sale was over $150 because wow. they were selling, you know, car seats and, and, uh, anything to do with babies. And then they took that same model and they, they, they started wags.com, which is a pet products. And then they started toys.com uh, and they started, you know, about four or five other sites. But what happened to them was, uh, Amazon came calling. And <laughs> Amazon wanted to buy them because Amazon did not have a, a knowledge base in that world. And so Amazon wanted to buy them because they, they obviously these guys understood, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. the parent business and Amazon wanted that business.
0: Maybe they should have sold.
1: <laughs> well, they, they actually did, but on protest.
0: Oh, okay. Because what
1: happened was, you know, Amazon came and said, you know, we'll give you I think it was 300 million for your company. And they said, "No, we want you know, $800 million, 900 million, whatever right. it was. Uh-huh. And, they, and Amazon said, oh, okay. So within days, Amazon put up a site selling diapers yep. and baby products at a loss. Yeah. They were selling diapers. Kill them 50 right there. Percent of, of, of what and Amazon's point was, we don't care. It's not going to cost us anything because we don't have any customers. Right. But those guys now have to match us. Yes. Right? So it's going to kill their profit margin because they're going to have to drop their prices to match us, which they did. And Amazon just kept putting the pressure on it, and they wound up selling the business to them for like three hundred million dollars.
0: So Amazon is ruthless. They're very tough business people. And <laughs> uh, well,
1: you're again when you're when you have a branded product line, you know that's sort of who you're up against, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That's going
1: to be your uh, that's going to be your competition
0: every day. Yeah, you can You have to have your own label, or, or forget it. It sounds like to me. So, but what you're saying is, is that really what? and a lot of people have been saying this, you've probably heard it, you need a minimal viable product first. So in other words, don't go out there and go into the diaper business and and have have your own brand and everything else and find out it fails. Go get someone else's diapers, for example, one product, forget about strollers and everything initially, see if that makes money, and then realize, okay, I can make a 10% profit here after all said and done. If I go to my own brand, I'm going to start making 30% or whatever, and, and but the thing is, do the minimal thing first. In, in any product, I mean, we know diapers worked, but there's probably a thousand products no one's even thought of yet that sure. that should be online, but no one's come up with the thought.
1: You, you always think about, you know, you always think about who, if my business works, who's going to benefit the most from it besides the consumer, right? Who's going to benefit from it? And those, those are the people you go to and try and form partnerships with. So, you know, this way, what you're trying to do is come up with the idea to sell the product, but minimize your risk and minimize your investment in inventory. So if, if for example, let's say, let's just say, you know, you, um, well, I'll give you a perfect example, actually. Okay. There's a woman out there who has a online business, online subscription business, Selling tampons,
0: for mm-hmm. girls,
1: mm-hmm. Right? every month. Now it's a, it's you know it's an item that you know people feel you know women don't like to buy when they're in
0: the store. And right? guys it's don't either. <laughs> guys don't want to buy it, but at the same time, everybody needs it. Right,
1: right. Exactly. So she Set up a, a website selling tampons. So she could go in and get her own tampon, or she could go to Procter and Gamble and say, look, you know, you supply me. And I'll, you know, at at a at a uh, advantageous price point, and I'll sell them, and you know, if it works, we, we'll form a partnership, right? And so that's that's sort of what she did. So I mean, it's it's things like that, um, that, you know, work well. There's another site out there, you know, some uh, somebody was an avid traveler, right? And they uh, they traveled for business, they traveled for pleasure. And you know, with all the restrictions today
0: on what you can and cannot bring um, on your flight, like a razor, up, huh? <laughs> like a razor. <laughs> they don't yeah. like razors on
1: flights. They, they, they set up a site, and they went to a whole bunch of manufacturers and got um, sample product sizes right for travel sizes. Mm-hmm. And they're like a, a they're they're the primary website for selling travel products. There's a a million ideas
0: out there. It sounds like two different people you might want to partner with is the supplier and then someone who has a list already. So they already got a million people on their mailing list, say a woman's website. So you've already got the built-in customers. You've got the supplier. And so you're just the middleman. You really uh, have minimal investment. I mean, you've got your website or whatever, but you could probably just do it for... Maybe in the low thousands, I don't know. But if you if you approach it that way, I know when you start creating your own product, then you have got a whole other world. You know, what what do you think of the fundraising websites like Kickstarter and, and those things to start something like this? What those sites are good for
1: is if you have a project that you're building,
0: or a um,
1: they're not they're not what people think. They're not about raising money for a business long term, right? They're, they're more about selling products or a project basis. So, for example, let's say that you were developing, let's say you were developing a new, uh, a new, a new handheld computer. Okay. And you would figure out for yourself. You would say to yourself, Well, these things are going to cost me a hundred dollars to manufacture, right? I'm going to sell them long term. I'm going to sell them for four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. right? And I need to make, I need to make, I need a hundred thousand dollars to get started. Mm-hmm. So you would go on there, and you would say, "Look, you know, for for anybody who makes you know who, who makes a donation of a hundred dollars, right? You'll get the first ones. You'll get the first ones numbered one through a hundred. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll also give you a T-shirt and this and that. Uh, anybody who say, who, who uh, no, uh, donates two hundred dollars, or three hundred dollars, or four hundred dollars, whatever it is, you ultimately want somebody to donate the four hundred dollars, which is the, what you would be selling these mm-hmm. for." So, you know, there's that approach. Uh, The other approach is if if you're doing a project, like, you know, I'm going to build a film. I want to do a film on, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you want people to donate to get this film done. And what, you know, what do they get for it? Well, they get first the initial screening. They get, you know, a DVD of it, you know, whatever. But it's really about selling stuff because you're not allowed to raise money that
0: way yet. Okay. Right? Well, it depends which ones. There's, there's uh, uh, Indiegogo, and there's some of them that are loose, have looser rules. The, the, the Kickstarter is pretty restricted, but some of the others, they don't care what you do almost as long as they get their 10% or whatever.
1: Yeah, this is true. This is true. But ultimately, you know, the SEC is watching, and you have to have certain things. Like, you can raise money as a small company like ours, but you have to do it from accredited investors, and you have to fill out some paperwork. Mm-hmm. And like that. Whereas those guys are really trading the investment for a product, right? So you're really not—they're really not investors. Those people on Kickstarter and all yeah, that—they're not, that. not investors. investors.
0: Yeah, yeah, you they're have no. Yeah. So, what would you recommend? We got some listeners that say they have a couple of thousand dollars right now. They had maybe an expertise in accounting all their life. Now they've been fired or retired or whatever. Uh, and now they've got to figure out what they're going to do, what would you recommend for them right now? What, what? How would you approach this? Okay, you, you've got enough money to barely live on, but you got something, and so you could work day and night at anything, but you don't have a lot of disposable income, but you have all the time in the world, and you have a couple thousand. Well,
1: you know, you look at, you know, what you do, like especially services like that, accounting, legal, um, you know, bookkeepers. I mean, you could you could easily turn that into an online business uh, very very quickly, right? Because everybody, every small business, every every business needs bookkeepers and accountants and things like that. Um, and a lot of them don't want to hire them anymore. There's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody wants to build a virtual business. Mm-hmm. So you can go out and get four or five or six customers. You could do it from. You can do it from anywhere. Nobody has to know, mm-hmm. right? You can transfer files by a Dropbox. You can transfer. You can handle books. Bookkeeping on QuickBooks online. I mean, there's there's so many opportunities for that type of uh, business. So any expertise that you have, you can go out and you kind of look and say, how can I use this virtually? How can I get to customers virtually? Because you know, like we we run our business. We don't want. We don't want to build an office building. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have you know a staff of big
0: overhead yeah
1: if you're in if you're in the technology business it's it's you know it's even easier there's so many sites out there for crowdsourcing of you know of tech you know you know technical expertise right you're a graphic designer you're an accountant you're a lawyer you're a you know whatever you can do it um, virtually you can hook up to some of these sites get your first couple of customers Build yourself a nice website after that and go out and get more customers.
0: Okay, so you're referring to something like Elance or Guru.com where you could offer your accounting services. Is that what you're referring to?
1: Sure, sure. And then you get your first couple you know, graphic designers, uh, designers, copywriters, people who are good at writing, people who, who are who retired and want to write a book but still need some income but are good writers. You can go on there and be a copywriter. You can uh, write articles, write blogs for people. Um, So, yeah, Elance, Crowdspring, uh, Guru, there's a million of them, and you post your credentials out there, and uh, you get, you know, you you get some business that way, and then as you build your identity and what you want to do...
0: so let's say they're they have something that's not so easily transferable. They worked with metal all their life and they know how to bend things or whatever. You know they know how to drill, bend, and they've they've worked with equipment like that. Which now they're retired and so they don't really have an expertise that's easily transferable, like uh, accounting or law or something. What would you recommend for someone like that that has you know some money but not a lot? What direction would you tell him to go into?
1: I mean that's a little bit more difficult, right? I mean if you're if you're somebody with some sort of finite skills that are you know specialized, you know very, very specialized, hmm. um, you know then certainly you know even that to a certain extent you could set up a blog and you can you know go worldwide. There's probably people out there. You know that market may not be huge, but there's probably people out there that are looking for you know somebody who understands how to bend. You know, a specific metal to do something. You know, I, I, that would be uh...
0: okay. So, yeah, I think I get it. So, even if you said, okay, I was a janitor all I, my life, all I did was clean places, but still, even at that level, you might know the best equipment, the best cleaning products. you, well, know.
1: you can set up a uh, you can set up a blog and talk about you
0: know
1: how to uh, how to best do a floor in an industrial building. You could talk about the five different types of floors there are out there that you know are built in industrial buildings and the five best ways to clean them.
0: And how would you monetize it? Do you think? What would be the what what, what ways could you do it? Well, first you
1: have to get people to you have to you have to be the markets to people who are going to read it, right? Okay. You have to get traffic to it. Mm-hmm. So in order to monetize something, you have to have traffic
0: to All it. Right.
1: And once you have traffic to it, then you can you can get advertisers to advertise on. Right.
0: Okay, so advertisers would be one way. Mm-hmm. All right. And then maybe I guess the other thing would be you recommend these three products and make sure that you have an affiliate for those three products. Like when the people start buying it for the next 20 years you get a 5% of everything they buy. And and
1: if you position yourself as the expert in it and you brand yourself as the expert in whatever that you know finite world that you have is then, you know, people may pay you for your expertise and have you fly to their company and, you know, explain it to them. So you could be that type of consultant.
0: That's fantastic. So really, there, there's no excuse for anyone, no matter what background they've got. There's something there that's useful. If they've, done it, if they've done anything for 30 years, they have to have learned something that's transferable and saleable. Would that be? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, sure. Because, I mean, some people think, oh, all I know is blah, 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 you know. I've sold cars all my life. That's all I know, you know, kind of thing. You know, I I knew a guy who uh, did
1: just that, sold cars all his life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, about uh, five years ago, he he had an idea for, I I don't understand the car buying world, so I don't understand. But it had something to do with managing the inventory on the lot. Mm -hmm. still done in an old-fashioned way. It wasn't very efficient, mm-hmm. but he had an idea how to make it more efficient. So he went to a young computer guy, and he explained to him the problem, and the guy wound up writing this program mm-hmm. for maintaining you know, uh, the flow of inventory on a car lot. And um, I guess it had to do with used cars and new cars and the auctions it was it was above my pay grade I, I'm not really in that world but the long long and short of it was he, he didn't understand technology all he understood was you know the car buying business and he, he uh, and he you know car buying and selling he did it for a living forever worked at you know Toyota dealerships and things like that mm-hmm. but he, he, he understood that there was a problem so he, he got involved with a, a guy who could write the program and then he wound up branding that program and selling it to car dealerships because there was nothing out there like it. And, you know, so in the twilight of his life, I think he was 61 when he
0: mm-hmm. was, Nice, nice.
1: The last, you know, the last twilight of his life, he wound up with this program that the, the guy built for him for about $1,000 to $2,000. And he wound up selling it, you know, for, you know, uh, each one he sells for a couple of thousand dollars to a car dealership.
0: What a great retirement he has. (laughs) Yes.
1: And the beauty of it is you can do it from anywhere.
0: All right. So you figure out you have done. Now, of course, some people are thinking, okay, I've done selling cars all my life and I never want to see another car. (laughs) I don't want to, like, whatever expertise they have, they want to put it behind them. And they say, uh, you know, uh, but I really follow hockey. I love hockey. I, I know every player. I know, you know, I, I know all this stuff. But How am I going to monetize that? I mean, my hobby. What would you recommend for him? <laughs> he doesn't want to do what he's done. He wants to do something new now. And he, yeah. he has a real interest in whatever. Let's, but some sport, let's say, that he really is knowledgeable. But how are you going to make money with it?
1: You know, again, you got to find the opening, right? There's an opening out there for everything. You know, there's an opening, right? So you want to play golf the rest of your life. You know, what's what? What is it that? What is it that every golfer wants? Every golfer wants a, a great swing, right? So I mean, you know, there's guys out there that uh, get into something totally different. Um, you know, guy developed a. Uh, <coughs> A little video camera that you can take with you and hook up to your golf cart, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, he was—he spent his entire life in uh, some other industry, but then you know, he loved to play golf. So he, found, he figured out, you know, the small camera that you can hook up to your golf cart, and you can record your golf swing on every shot, and then you can go home and you can look at it, and you can determine what your problem was and what the what the flaws are in your swing that you can work on every, you know, and, and and so he took that and created some, you know, some software that was out there for analyzing the golf swing mm-hmm. and puts it together and winds up, you know, with, um, you know, a nice little business.
0: Wow. Oh. So, the, and, and this is someone that actually did this, right? Yeah. Yeah, they created this. All right. So, I guess... One of the things is, is uh, as you walk through your day, where are the problems and what are the needs? And doesn't have to be your expertise.
1: He didn't actually, he didn't actually build anything. He took existing products, right? He took a, a movie camera, made a, a little, uh, he made a little adapter that could hook onto your, uh, to your golf cart. I think he has one now that's for your iPhone and one for your. You know, for, it started out with a flip camera, if you remember those. Mm-hmm. It started out with a flip camera. And then he, he built another adapter for, you know, the uh, iPhone and one for, uh, you know, uh, the other ones, uh, Samsung's, and, you know. And then the software that analyzes the golf swing already existed. And all he does is set up the site where, you know, he uploads the, the, you upload your, your video, and uh, and it analyzes it and gives you back a feedback. So all he did was build a conduit, essentially. Any business is all about finding out who the customer is, what the customer needs, and where they're not being serviced. Right? That's it. So that, that's that's in, in a nutshell. That's, mm-hmm. the
0: yeah, that's super. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you and your product, what's the best way to do that? I just want to get that in there right now if we could.
1: 800Raisers.com You can go to 800Raisers.com If you want to get in touch with me, you can, at the bottom, there's contact at 800Raisers.com they'll get me an email.
0: Perfect. You can just
1: contact at 800Raisers.com Right. they'll, uh,
0: right. Do you do, uh, a, a, a personal direct advice or, you know, consulting or anything like that?
1: I do it sporadically. Uh, it has to be something that really, really interests me because it's, uh, you know, my, uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, busy tied up with, with growing this business, but, you know, I've done it. I've done speaking engagements and things like that, but I, you know, it has
0: to be something that interests me. Are you, uh, so you're kind of open to, to being, a, to partnering into something, idea, if you thought it was great, is that what you're saying? Something like that? Yeah, I mean, I,
1: you know, we, we certainly if somebody said to me, hey man, I have this great idea, but I don't know how to get it done, and the idea actually was extremely good, mm-hmm. you know, I would certainly help put them together with the right people that could help them get it done. No question about it.
0: All right. And would you be an investor in that case? <laughs> or you're investing yeah, enough I, I, money I, I in have. doing what you're doing? <laughs> I mean, I
1: have, you know. But, I mean, you know, I, I, somebody called me up saying, you know, I have an idea for a different sandwich concept. doesn't really excite me because
0: yeah, I you're, gotcha. <laughs> you're
1: not going to be able to overthink it. Subway, but if somebody came to me and said, hey, you know, there was a, there's a guy who uh, figured out, I don't know if he, you know, these new iPads, not, not the iPad uh, there. Mm-hmm. You know, the iPads have some great cameras on them, right? And you can see that people are building commercials and shooting commercials with these with iPads, mm-hmm. right? The problem with it has been, you know, how do you attach the lens? How do you attach the microphone? How do you attach all these things? and this guy and again this is a this is a classic example of just becoming a conduit figuring it out and putting the pieces together Mm -hmm. and then selling the pieces this guy put together a product called the Padcaster and he built a frame that the iPads clips into Mm -hmm. and it has I guess he was an engineer because it has that frame has a whole bunch of places to screw things in and all that stuff and he can you know he hooked up a place where you can screw in the different lenses and the microphone and the uh you know, all the things you need to turn this into a a, a true movie camera. But a professional movie camera. Mm
0: -hmm. So it has
1: a boom mic and it has all these things. And he did it in such a way uh that the actual product only costs about the basic kit only costs about three hundred and ninety nine dollars. You know, but he was an engineer. Right? So he didn't, he wasn't in the movie business. He wasn't a cameraman. He was just an engineer and he he, he saw this as a problem. because he saw all these young people trying to shoot movies with their iPads. And he said, you know, <coughs> there's a way to do this. So he figured it out.
0: And now that would be something that you could sure take to Kickstarter, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, he did take it to
0: Kickstarter. Oh, he did? Okay. That was something.
1: So, you know, he was raising money and the first person, people who donated $400, got, you know, one of these units, uh, five hundred dollars you got back plus something else, you know. Oh, it went on and on.
0: Wow, how much did he raise?
1: Do you know, maybe one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But he all he had to do was really build a bunch of the frames mm-hmm. because the other products, the boom lights, the yeah, they're all there. Lenses, they're they're all readily available. So you know, all he really needed to do was build the frame. And I don't know anything about metal, but it's you know it's just a stainless steel frame mm-hmm. with some sort of you know. Things that hook up, and you know, I I, I can't imagine it costs more than 15 or 20 dollars to manufacture.
0: Nice markup, (laughs) good one. All right, Uh, what would be any final message, Phil, for for the folks that are listening that are uh, again baby boomers and uh, they want to do something? You know, some have money, some don't. Some, you know, it's different situations.
1: Again, I mean, it's you know, you, you, you take a look out there and see where the market's underserved. And go after it, you know. Just figure out what, how to do it. It's not complicated. Most people don't do it because of fear,
0: right?
1: Yeah. For sure. There's a million people that you meet that said, well, I had this idea to do this, but you know, I had a wife, I had kids, I had a job, I couldn't do it,
0: Yeah. You know? And then a year later, they see their product that they thought of on the sure. market. <laughs> All right, well, hopefully some of our listeners won't, won't have that problem. They'll see something and they'll act on it. Uh, well, thank yeah. you. Uh, this has been great, and I appreciate all your the time you've taken, Phil, and look forward to maybe talking to you in the future, maybe a year from now, and find out what other three new companies you've started. Yeah, that'd
1: be great. Okay. All
0: right. Thank you, sir. Okay, bye all now. Right. thank you. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host,
1: Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.